0: Some of y'all may have heard about this, this last Friday about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, first responders were reported and called to respond to a dog attack that happened on the west side of San Antonio. Firefighters who arrived on the scene witnessed a man being dragged by a dog when they arrived on the scene. That man was an 81-year-old man. His 74-year-old wife had already been mauled by a pack of dogs, this pack of dogs. The scene, uh, as they described it, was, uh, they described it as horrific. And, And we're talking about people who are used to responding to emergencies. This was unlike something they've seen before. According to the report, the 81-year-old man and his wife were, were at home. They were by their car, apparently, either coming or going when they were attacked by these vicious animals, by these vicious dogs. These dogs belonged to a neighbor who lived down the street. When the firefighters got there and they saw this, they jumped out, uh, off, their, uh, off their trucks, and they had to use uh, pickaxes and, and poles to get to get the dogs away from the man. It was so uh, vicious. One of the relatives to the couple that was injured tried to help. He, along with the captain of the firefighters, were were both bitten and attacked by the dogs. All four people who were injured were taken to the hospital where the 81 year old man was later, later died from the injuries he sustained his wife is also there she remains in critical condition after the incident the 31 year old there was a 31 year old man who was the owner of these dogs he was charged with 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 felony with felony charges of uh, of, of charge he was charged with uh, attacked by a dangerous dog resulting in death or injury of an elderly person by omission or criminal negligence. Listen, that was not the first time that these dogs had attacked people in the neighborhood. According to the animal, animal control people, there have been several confirmed bites to the neighbors by these dogs, these same group of dogs. This man and his dogs had a history of terrorizing the neighborhood. A history of terrorizing the neighborhood. This man had had has a history of training his attack dogs, as they referred it to, attack dogs, to be attack dogs and to be vicious. It's an intentional act. With this type of history going on in this neighborhood, the neighbors here could certainly view this man as the enemy. They could certainly view, you, you couldn't hold it against them if they were to refer to this man as the enemy of the entire neighborhood. He had obviously oppressed the entire neighborhood and intimidated his neighbors. So here's a big question for us today, for you. Put yourself in that neighborhood. Put yourself as the neighbor to this man and these dogs. Could you love this enemy? Could you love this person? Be called to love our enemy is an extremely difficult thing to do. Loving an enemy goes counter to our human nature. It goes counter to our human nature. There is no more chilling and challenging command from God given to us than to love our enemy. alien to us it is not the norm that's what our passage is about today as we continue our current sermon series on Jesus's Sermon on the Mount we can reflect on what some of you may be thinking some of us may be thinking to ourselves Why should we love our enemy? Why should we love our enemy? Well, the first and primary reason that we should love our enemy is because it is a command so given to us by the Lord God Almighty. So that's first and foremost. That is why we should obey it. That is reason enough to obey it. Perhaps the better question. The better question is, why why does the lord command us to love our enemies why well the answer to that question can be found in our passage it is laid out by our lord as we look at our passage we can see that it can break down into three three different parts we have the goal of the passage The motive to the reason why of our passage and the standard, the standard to be reached by those who are being commanded, the standard to be reached by those who are being commanded, that would be a true believer, a Christ follower. That would be you and me, us. You recall the Sermon on the Mount, this is the first sermon that Jesus, when Jesus started his ministry, he started, this is the first sermon, and he gathered his disciples who came up to him, and he is preaching this sermon, these instructions, and he's making these observations, these declarations, and these commands to his true disciples of that time as he is talking to his true disciples today. For those disciples at that time, they had the Lord God himself who could lead them and guide them as to being obedient to these commands. That is what we would call pre-crucifixion and pre-resurrection. We are living in a post crucifixion a post resurrection. We're on the other side now. Christ has already been, has, has already ascended up into the and seated at the right hand of the most, the glory of the Father. We are living in post resurrection. We are now being guided by the power of the Holy Spirit who leads and guides us and gives us the grace to be obedient to live our lives And so that we have to be mindful of that. But the main thing we need to be mindful is that Christ is speaking to his disciples. He's not speaking to the rest of the world. Focused on his people. He's focused on giving this command to his people. So as we begin to look at our passage, we need to, to address the question who are our enemies? Who are our, our enemies? Well, for the for the people that were hearing this sermon, there it was easy for them. The enemy was the oppressor, the Roman government, the Roman soldiers, the Roman oppressors. That those are the enemies. They were neglecting to see other enemies, other enemies that were involved. Other enemies who they did not recognize as enemies that were amongst them. For us today, when we ask the question, who are our enemies, who is that? Well, we don't deal with that type of language, do we? Like, If we're in the military or the law enforcement, I mean, that's easier to, to see who our enemies are. If we're in combat, we see the enemy there. If we're a police officer, we know who that enemy is. We can see the enemy most of the time. But what about us? What about you now? What about all the rest of us? Can we see who the enemy is? We don't deal with that language like that. We don't think, oh, well, that's a, you know, so-and-so. Yeah, he's an enemy. He, he's one of my enemies. I mean, we don't ever think like that. So who is our enemy? Now, we should not be foolish to think that no one is out there, no one that's out there is not wanting to harm us or hurt us. That would be naive. There are people out there who who, who live a life of hate. They're mean-spirited, and for whatever reason, they want to harm people. They want to hurt people. That is reality. That's the reality of the fallen world that we live in. And to think that there's not people like that would be naive on our part. There are. They exist. But see, there's a bigger enemy that Jesus and disciples and we today need to realize, need to understand, need to be able to know that they exist. The the devil, Satan and his minion are out there. They're all over the place. The enemy is prowling around us looking for anyone to devour or destroy anyone or anything that was created by God Almighty to devour and to destroy. That is what they want to do. Don't try to understand it. That their very existence, their their meaning and what their, the life, that the eternal life that they're living, is to destroy us. To this, especially Christ followers. They will attempt to do that in and through people and even animals. People that are being used by the evil one or, their, or his minion may or may not realize it. They may or may not realize it. They may not know that they're under the influence of somebody whispering in their ear, somebody talking them into hate and anger like, like that man in the neighborhood for whatever reason he thought he needed attack dogs a, a vicious attack dogs and after being warned many times he he still allowed them to to, to do what, what he was doing what they were doing escaping from the yard now We must understand that although Satan and his minion do what they do, that does not excuse those who are committing the evil and committing the crime. That does not excuse them for what they're doing. God will hold them accountable, either in final judgment and or through his civil magistrates that he has ordained to carry out their function. Police, judges, everybody, military, everybody. That's God ordained. Those are God ordained. They're God ordained to, to to control chaos. They don't get away with anything. No one is excused, not even the demons or the person that are perpetrating these acts. They will be held accountable. One of the one of the perhaps one of the best ways to find out who our enemy is or who our enemies are. Is to preach the gospel. Just preach the gospel. Share the gospel. Share it. Eventually, you're going to be attacked. You will be persecuted for sharing the gospel. It has been going on since Christ walked this earth. The disciples. Look at the disciples, the apostles, how they died. They were persecuted. And if you're a Christ follower. You are called to share the gospel. That means you are called to be persecuted. And if you're persecuted for sharing the gospel, not for giving your opinion about something, not for giving your opinion about a political issue that you think is wrong, and you think, well, God wouldn't like that. It says that we're going to be persecuted for sharing the gospel, meaning for trying to make disciples. And if you're persecuted for trying to make disciples by sharing the gospel message, you can rejoice. You can rejoice because it says that you will be persecuted for serving God that way. That's intimidating. That's even scary for us. It's very scary. Now, listen, you can be persecuted in many different ways but you will be persecuted. And that does not excuse you from not doing what you're called to do. Just like loving your enemy. That's uh, that's beyond, that's not the norm. It's alien to us. Share the gospel, share the gospel with everyone. Well, I don't like to do it. I might mess it up. Oh, you're gonna mess it up. Share Jesus. My aunt, she passed away. We went to her funeral last week. She was a nun the Catholic then, okay? Now, we disagree with many things the Catholics say and do, but not for this convent that she was a part of. Their theme, their theme was all about loving Jesus. That's what they live for, to love Jesus. That is it. That's it. It is all about Christ and sharing him with others to make disciples. Persecution comes with that, with sharing the message. So what is the goal? Why do we do it? What's the goal of this? Why do you want to do it? Well, you're commanded to do it. Right, right, true. But we're told here something else. The goal is to love our enemy. We are to love our enemy. Do you, let me ask you something. Do you believe that you can be commanded to love someone? Remember when you were going out younger, who you was much younger, dating somebody? It would be funny if you go up to that girl or guy and say, I command you to love me. Isn't that the way it works? No, it doesn't work that way. You know why? You have uh you have a different understanding of love. That's not the love Jesus is talking about. That love is based on emotion, He's not talking about emotion. This command is not talking about emotion. That's not what Christ is talking about. Our Lord is talking about agape love, agape love. Agape love is God love. The way God Loves us. It's distinct from emotional or um, erotic love. It's not that. It is God love. It is commanded love. Listen, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten Son. That is command. That's commanded love. Christ came out. He so loved us that he laid down his life for us. That's commitment. God is committed to his people. He is committed to loving his people. That is gospel love. That is the love of Christ. A, a husband and wife are committed to love their spouse unto death through us part. That's commitment. Emotions certainly come into play. Sure they do. But commitment overrides everything commitment to love, commitment. This is what God is talking about. This is what Christ is talking about. He's telling us that we must commit ourselves to love our neighbor and our enemy. In fact, loving our enemy is the fulfillment of loving our neighbor. We are commanded to love our enemy but we might not like our enemy we might not like that person we might not like that that man who was training these vicious dogs we don't like him we don't like the things that he was doing we don't like the things that he was responsible for but we love him because we are committed we are called to commit to loving him that changes everything That is a difference that that, that makes all the difference in the world. You can you, you don't have to like this person, but you're called to commanded to commit to loving this person. Loving this person. We as Christ followers are committed to loving people like this man. What's our motive? God, hey, Okay, I gotta pray for this guy. Hate the hell. You know what? I'm gonna pray for this guy to get the uh, the needle, lethal injection. Hey, how about that? How about that prayer? No, that's not the prayer. What is? What is our motive? Our motive will help us understand what we're praying for. But what is our motive? Well, that is spoken about in verse 45. Jesus tells us what our motive is. He says that we are sons, sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven, God Almighty. We are sons and daughters of our Father who is in heaven. I want you to note that it didn't say to become sons and daughters. It doesn't say to become. We're not doing this to become sons and daughters of God. We are already sons and daughters of God. We are doing this because we are sons and daughters of God in heaven, not to become. That's a work, that wouldn't work. We we are already blessed, we are already kingdom bound. But we're doing it because we reflect Christ. We are doing it because we're God's disciples. We reflect Christ. The Lord God Almighty is a glorious and benevolent God. He shares His goodness with the entire world. It tells us that it says that He makes His sunrise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and unjust. That's how benevolent God is. But He calls His people to to be different, to behave different. Because if they behave different, their people are going to look at him and say, hey, these guys are different. This guy is praying for his enemy. That is our behavior. It changes our behavior. This commitment, this command is going to change us. It's going to make us behave differently. And Christ talks about that. He, he, He talks about that. He says, He says, I mean, if you love those who love you, you're like everybody else in the world. Of course you're going to love those who love you. And if you, what is it? If you you say hello, if you speak and you greet, those who sound and look like you, what difference is that? Everybody does that. You're different. You belong to me. You are from the kingdom that's coming, but you are in the kingdom in the here and now, and you are to behave this way. You are commanded now to commit to loving your enemy. God's people have to reflect Christ, our Lord and Savior. And because of that, our behavior will be impacted. It must be impacted. And see, that's the question we always have to ask ourselves. If if you were to tell somebody you were a Christian and they were just blown out of the the water, really, you gotta be kidding. Man, you're really a Christian? Are you sure? Now, if I get that type of reaction, boy, I'm telling you, I need to kneel and pray because I'm not behaving as one. At least not toward this person who does. Who t- t- totally got be- pegged by surprise when he hears about that. People t- know there's something different about you. Something in you. Something. What is it? Tell me. Tell me what it is. Share the gospel. Share that's your that's your opening. God will put words in your mouth. Tell them about your testimony. Tell them about what happened to you. And they're going to say, well, that's great. That's great, man. It's about you. That's going to happen to you, but it didn't work for everybody else. No, it does. According to God's word, which is the Bible, it says this can happen to you. All you have to do is to receive this gift of eternal life, to receive it and submit your life to be obedient. That's how you reflect it. We have to do this. Why? Because souls are at stake. You have to share the gospel because souls are at stake here. And you think, well, I can't control that. That's God thing. It is a God thing, but he uses you as an instrument, as a means to an end. He uses us. Isn't that crazy? Only God could do that. Only God could use brokenness as a means to the end, to eternal life. Souls are at stake, and it is God. It is the gospel of God that brings us to the standard, the standard by which God holds us accountable. What's the standard by which God holds us accountable? Oh, man, here it comes. Here it comes. Be perfect. Oh, my goodness. There it is right there. I might as well just let's go, everybody. Come on, let's go. We'll just get out of here. Let's run. Be perfect. Be perfect yes that's the standard it has to be the standard we are called as true believers to be perfect now in translation of this passage there are some theologians that want to translate the word used the greek word used as perfect they want to use another translation or another word they want to use the word mature which it could translate to that but that would blow this passage and this this whole passage and this verse out of context It would would be totally out of context. It would be saying like your heavenly father is mature. Be mature like your heavenly father is mature. Makes no sense. But we do know this. We know that our heavenly father is perfect. And because we belong to him and because we reflect him, we are called to be perfect as well. That's the standard. Oh, wow. That's the standard. Wow. Okay. How is that possible? we do that? There's only one way we can do that. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that comes through receiving the grace of God, through receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior. It is only through Christ that we can go through this process. We go through this process of our lives for the rest of our life of the process called sanctification, this process called being made holy. It is also called being made perfect. Will we get there? Yes, we will when we go to be with him. Now we're going to spend the rest of our lives being holy, being made perfect. Our trials, our tribulations are going to form us and shape us on how we're going to be perfect. This. Does this sound like us? Does this sound like you? We resist this. And so what happens? We have another trial. God's calling us. Come. No, I don't want to come. I've got this other stuff I got to do. or I've got this hidden sin that I'm hiding in the closet. Nobody knows about this. Not even my spouse. I can't come. Oh, yeah. You're going to come because you belong to him. He's going to bring you to him. And when he does, and all the trials and tribulations that you go through, he will help you endure them and help you get through them. And you will realize that you are blessed. You are blessed by going through them. And you keep walking on this path of righteousness. This is a lifetime journey. It's a lifetime journey that he calls you to be with him. It's easy to turn away and run away, but he will bring you back. He will bring you back. Praise him for that. Praise his love for that. My friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, God is calling us to be perfect. God will not tolerate anything less than perfection. The kingdom of God is perfection. And he's calling us And he's calling us and he's bringing us to the kingdom of God and we will be perfect when we get there. That's God's standard. That's the God's standard that everyone else that doesn't reach it will be condemned. You and I will reach it because of the power of the Holy Spirit, because we have been saved through the grace of God. But everybody else who turns away from it will be judged. Hence, they will be condemned. But what we need to understand is that God, this is the love of God. This is gospel love. He cares about you so much that he is placed even on your heart right now at this moment to feel his love, to know that he cares about you. And no one, no one can love you more than him. The love that we've all been seeking all our lives is him. And, and because of the fall, we broke away from Him, and we've been wandering around this world, training vicious dogs, hating everybody—not just our neighbor, not just our enemy—hate everybody. But because of the love of God for you, He has brought you back to Him. And see, you come when you receive Christ, you come back, and you become one in Christ with the Father, and you become perfect. You become complete. That's what it's all about. And and you wonder, you think, well, there's a lot of Christians out there. How come no one hears this? How come no no one's here? Well, because they've wandered off, perhaps have not heard it, perhaps you're somewhere else. But But see, remember, it's about you, okay? I don't want you to forget about everybody else, but you've got to remember, focus on me first. Where am I in this walk of eternal life? where am i so when we look at this passage what do we need to hear what do we need to know we need to hear that our that loving our enemy is the fulfillment of loving our neighbor this is the standard of perfection for the kingdom for the for kingly living for kingdom living in the here and now that can only be accomplished through faith in Jesus Christ our lord the critical issue of this passage is for you to be made perfect. And it comes to doing the things that you're called to do, to be obedient. I want to conclude the story about this vicious attack. It's not concluded yet. As I told you, this man was arrested and his bond set at 125,000. All three dogs, all three pit bull type dogs have been euthanized. They've been put down so when we pray for them, we pray for the family of the deceased man, the eighty-one-year-old man, for everyone who is mourning his loss today. We pray for his wife who is recovering from this attack. We pray for those the the, the, the we pray for the, the captain, the the firefighters, of the and the other man who was injured. We pray for them, but we also have to pray for the enemy. For the man who caused all this, who's been arrested now. But see, we pray for him not so he can get lethal injection or get 35 years in the penitentiary. That's not that's not up to us. We pray for his salvation. That's what you pray for. You don't give God, oh God, I hope you know, I hope he gets bit by a pit bulldog or something. You know, that's crazy. You pray for their salvation, for the salvation of your enemy. When you pray, it changes everything. It changes you. It changes your heart. It changes the people you're praying for. It impacts everything. That is why we're commanded to pray. Being a Christian is not subjective. It, 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 what I mean by that is, to be a Christian, it's not subjective. Means that you you're not a Christian on your own terms. You're not a Christian based on the gospel of me, the gospel of Manny. That's worthless. Subjection means my interpretation, my belief of what I think is right and wrong. Like I think that guy should be sent to the penitentiary for the rest of his life, and bitten by three dogs or something. That that's the gospel of Manny. That the meaningless. That's subjection. Your political views are subjection, subjective to your beliefs. That's not the gospel. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to pray for our enemy. The gospel is objective. We are being told what to do. And our response to this call, this command is to be obedient, to be obedient. That is what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient Christians. That involves hearing the word. It involves being obedient. It involves worshiping God. It involves loving our neighbor, and it involves loving our enemy. That is gospel love. That is perfect love. That is the love that you and I are to reflect. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.